I'm your host, Caleb Ivy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome in to the Fantasy Brew Review. I'm your host, Caleb Ivey. Thank you so much for joining in. This is a show where we talk some fantasy football, review some brews, and have an old-time radio show, Dr. Adot and the Fantasy Quest. And today is the day. After much anticipation... Episode number two will air at the end of this show. I mean, no one has said anything about it, but I'm sure there's been a lot of anticipation. Hmm. Let's get into the brew review. We are back this week with another ice cold beer. And we've got an Accumulation Winter Hazy IPA from New Belgium Brewery out of Asheville, North Carolina. And I'll be honest, I'm not a big IPA guy. And this one was pretty good, but it was kind of, you know, a basic IPA. It's not super hoppy or anything, which is really what I don't like. It was pretty good. Not the worst. Not the best I've had. And it did have a pretty cool, snowy-looking can. While I'm not in love with it, I have talked about the new Belgium Variety Pack before. I am its number one fan. And they've mixed up the Variety Pack a bit for winter and swapped out some beers. Accumulation being one of the new ones. And the Variety Pack is still, at least where I live... $8.99 $8.99 for a 12-pack. In my opinion, the most bang-for-your-buck that you're going to find. But for the accumulation itself, I'll give it a 7.7. It's a nice change-of-pace type of beer in the variety pack. Let's get into some football. And coming up next, for your listening pleasure, the new sports craze that is sweeping the nation, American football. For this week's episode, we are diving into the mailbag. We've got a few questions from listeners that we're going to tackle. So, let's get into it. We've got two questions from at Stony underscore Berg 99 on Twitter. First question, pick up AP, Drake, or Higgins. Need one for this week and rest of season. Short bench, full PPR. This is referring to Adrian Peterson, Kenyon Drake, and T. Higgins. So, right off the bat, Drake is out for me. For fantasy purposes, he's had back-to-back great games. However, last game, Josh Jacobs got banged up. And the game before, Drake scored two touchdowns on only six opportunities, which isn't something that you can bank on. In a vacuum, especially in full PPR, I think Higgins is the safest bet here. He's the number two option in a solid offense, and he's averaging about eight targets a game. So he has a very nice PPR floor. And that's not to say that I'm not interested in Peterson, because I am. He just has question marks. 
mainly his age. He's 36 years old, which for a running back is absolutely ancient. And he hasn't really been a pass catcher throughout his career. And I'd say it's pretty doubtful that he starts now. So that's definitely a check against him in full PPR. All of that being said, after going back and forth with at Stony underscore Berg 99 and asking a few more questions, I actually ended up recommending Peterson. On this particular team, he was absolutely loaded at receiver, and he had some question marks and some bye weeks coming up with some of his running backs. Yes, Adrian Peterson is older and won't catch many passes, as we just said, but by all accounts, he's looked decent so far, and there's a good chance that he sees a lot of work. Higgins is definitely a better play this week, but Peterson helps his team going forward, and he at least has the chance of falling into the end zone in his first game as a Titan, even with not the best matchup. Moral of this story, the better player for fantasy is not always the better player for your fantasy team. Sometimes it can be roster dependent. Question number two from Stonyberg. I'm going to save a little time and just call you Stonyberg. Stonyberg. This is about another team of his. Half PPR. I've been offered two options. I'd give up Terry McLaurin for either Damian Harris or Elijah Mitchell and Hunter Renfro. Which one do I go with or do I keep Terry? Are Mitchell's ribs an issue? End of question. I thought this was a pretty tough one. I do think the safest option here, in my opinion, is just to keep McLaurin. Sure, he's inconsistent, like all our receivers, but he should continue to be a top 15 receiver moving forward. Damian Harris is fine. He's been good as of late, but he's on a middle-of-the-road offense, doesn't catch passes, and I'm not crazy about some of his schedule going forward. He has Carolina this week, he has the Bills twice, and he has a bye week thrown in there. So Terry to Damian feels like a backwards move to me. So he's out. The Mitchell and Renfro one is a bit interesting, though. Mitchell makes me a tad bit nervous, but his upside is tremendous. As far as the rib injury goes, I'm certainly not a doctor, but he was back at practice at the end of this week, so I'm operating as if this is not going to be a long-term issue. What makes me a little bit nervous is Jeff Wilson's return. And look, I don't think Jeff Wilson just waltzes in and takes the starting job, but I do think there is a real possibility that he's the goal line guy, which could hurt Mitchell a bit. On the flip side, Mitchell could just be that dude, and he's got a pretty nice schedule moving forward. And Renfro could see a bump in targets with no rugs, but we're going to talk about him in a few minutes. It's a high upside, moderate risk move, in my opinion. My advice to you, Stonyberg, if Mitchell is an upgrade over your current running backs, and you have another solid receiver or two, and you don't mind a little bit of a risk, then go for it. Shoot your shot. If you're solid at running back already, if you're solid at running back already, and you aren't the type to mess around with a risky situation, just hang on to McLaurin and enjoy your fantasy points. 
Next question comes in from a fella named Thomas. Should I drop Calvin Ridley while he's out for his mental health? So Ridley was put on the non-injury list, which means he can't play for at least the next three weeks. Personally, I'm trying to hold him for at least those three weeks and see if we have any more information after that. It is a tough one, though. It's not like a sprained ankle or something where we have a general timeline for his return. Although he got off to a slow start, Ridley is an elite wide receiver, and I don't think we have enough information to drop him just yet. Now, look, maybe you've had some bad luck. You drafted Derrick Henry or Michael Thomas or David Montgomery or any one of the 150 players that have gotten injured so far this year. And your record is really struggling, and you don't have an IR spot, and need the roster space. I would at least attempt to trade Ridley before you drop him. You probably can't get a lot, but something is better than nothing. Maybe you can take your Metcalf, add Ridley, and turn that into Devontae Adams. Or a Mixon and Ridley, and turn that into Austin Eckler. That's obviously not ideal, you never really want to sell low on a player, but it could get you a bit of an upgrade if you aren't in a position to wait on Ridley and you need to win now. And on to our final mailbag question, and this one comes from Rihanna. Rihanna asks, Do you think Renfro will transition from a safe floor wide receiver 3 to a wide receiver 2 with upside? Or will Zay Jones consume Ruggs' role and keep Renfro in his place based on the types of routes Renfro primarily runs? Great question, Rihanna. I do think the Raiders will put Zay Jones into the Ruggs role, and Renfro will just stay in his slot role. However, I do not think that Zay Jones will be as successful in that role as Ruggs was. So, if they aren't connecting on as many of those deep balls... I do think that presents more opportunity in the short to intermediate target range for Renfro, Waller, and even Brian Edwards, because I think they'll need those targets more to just keep the offense moving down the field. I don't know that it's a gigantic bump up for Renfro, but I do think it's a bump up, and it makes him a tad bit safer. Renfro is currently the wide receiver 36 in half PPR, which, I don't know, bye weeks and missed games and whatnot, but I think he could probably hang around more than... 30 range moving forward. Now this is all assuming that the Raiders don't sign another receiver. At the time of this recording, Deshaun Jackson is still on the market and Odell Beckham Jr. has been released by the Browns but has yet to run through waivers. So we'll see. I think Deshaun Jackson is kind of just old man Henry Ruggs. So if he ends up a Raider, I'm not sure how much changes. OBJ does make me a little bit more nervous for the other pass-catching options. I certainly think he could demand more targets than Ruggs did. But just hold on to your pass-catchers for now, and we'll cross those bridges when we come to them. And that is going to be it for me on this episode of the Fantasy Brew Review, folks. Thank you so much for joining in. A little bit shorter of an episode today because we have Dr. Adot and the Fantasy Quest in just a moment. But if you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and tell a few folks about it. I would really appreciate it. 
And if you have any questions for the next mailbag episode, or would like to recommend some brews to be reviewed, beer, or coffee, hit me up on Twitter at the FF Brew Review. Review spelled R-E-V-U-E, just to complicate things. Or you can recommend brews at fantasybrewreview.com. I will be out of the office, so to speak, the beginning of next week, so I'm not sure if there will be a waiver wire episode or not, but at the very least, there'll be a waiver wire article at fantasybrewreview.com. Again, that's R-E-V-U-E. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day, and stick around to hear episode number two of Dr. Adot and the Fantasy Quest, which starts right now. When we left Dr. Anthony Dot, he had just been given a clue. A very important clue. Or at least he hoped. One that would bring him one step closer to the perfect fantasy lineup. In his possession, he had three pieces of paper. One contained a riddle. On another, the letter B with a down arrow. And the third was a blank piece of parchment that looked very, very old. We join him now, as he polishes off another pot of coffee and racks his brain, trying to find the answer to this mysterious riddle before sunrise. Lies in the past. An adventure awaits, but it is not for the weak. (sighs) Well, looks like it's time for another pot of coffee. Dr. Adot stood up and walked out of his lab and onto the elevator. He swiped his keycard and pressed the number two, making his way to the break room. All of his clues still clutched in his hand, he studied them as the elevator traveled downwards. The elevator doors opened. Dr. Adot looked up and began to exit, suddenly stopping. He noticed something. The buttons on the elevator. B and a down arrow. He looked curiously at his piece of paper, and then back at the elevator buttons. It couldn't be that simple. Could it? I don't even have security clearance for the basement. I I couldn't if I wanted to. As he mumbled to himself, he swiped his keycard and pressed the B button. The doors began to shut and the elevator began its descent. I guess I have more clearance than I thought. The doors opened and Dr. Adot stepped off of the elevator. He stood in a small empty room, with a large metal door in front of him. Dr. Adot walked across the room to the door, swiped his card, and gave the handle a tug. Retinal scan required. The voice came from an electric box to the right of the door. Well, we've come this far. What's the worst that could happen? He stuck his eye up to the box. Welcome, Dr. Anthony Dot. Dr. Adot opened the door to nothing 
but darkness. He took a deep breath, and hesitantly took a step into the room. The lights turned on above his head, and then the lights just passed those, and then the next, and the next, and the next, and the next, and the next. Before him stood one of the largest rooms he had ever seen. It was magnificent. It was pristine. It was empty. Except for one thing. It was on the far end of the room, just too far away for the doctor to make out. Chalkboards lined every wall, every inch filled with theories and equations and answers. Hopefully. This is remarkable. Who is funding this? It has to be at least twenty times bigger than my lab. Dr. Adot marveled to himself as he began his long walk towards the strange object, meticulously inspecting the chalkboards as he walked. After walking for what seemed like several minutes, Dr. Adot stood in front of a machine, the likes of which he had never seen. It was massive, covered in wires and coils, levers and knobs, with a door on the front. Just inside of that door was an empty space about the size of a small walk-in closet. Even having spent most of his adult life in labs, he had never seen a machine this complex. To the left of the door was a digital screen with entry fields for a date and location. It looks like there's a date entered here. 332 BC. Well, and there's, there's no location. The answer you seek lies in the past. This is... This... This is a time machine. I'd heard rumor this was being worked on. But never in my wildest... Uh, 332 BC. What was going on that long ago that would help me to unlock the secret of fantasy? football? I... I don't understand. Could it... Could it be gladiators? No. No. Wait. Wait. Bronze, silver, and gold. That's it. I know just where to go. The time was 6.33 a.m. The sun would be rising at any moment. With no time to spare, Dr. Adot typed in his destination, stepped into the machine, and flipped the lever.
he vanished. Tune in to the Fantasy Brew Review to follow along with Dr. Adat in his quest to build the perfect fantasy lineup.